Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Walkins Welcome. I'm Michael Russell, and this is Gary Okazaki, Gary the Foodie. Hello, everybody. And this is our podcast about restaurants. Specifically, this week, we're going to talk about the best new restaurants in Portland. And Gary and I are going to break down our picks for Portland's best new restaurants. And there are certain parameters which you, Michael, can discuss. So we decided to pick our 10 favorite restaurants, like sort of like a NBA draft or a sports draft. Uh, I got to pick number one after a coin toss. Gary picked number two and three. Uh, and then I got four and five and so on and so on. Um, we did the draft just before recording so that we could go from 10 down to one, but we'll pretend to be surprised uh, when these picks come up. Uh, what else? Uh, what other parameters do we have? Well, I decided to not include bars. We both decided that food carts would not be included, nor bakeries, even though this is kind of like the year of the bakery this year. It's a great year for bakeries. There's a, there's a fantastic food cart that opened, but we are just going to stick to restaurants. So I guess without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, because I chose first, you chose last, 10th. Uh, yes. So let's get to it. Number 10. At number 10 for me is Tech Bar in downtown Portland. It's from a restaurateur who also has a similar place in Las Vegas. And he opened up in Portland recently. And Michael and I, I've gone a few times. Uh, a couple times without Michael and once with Michael. Was that the time we did the sake bomb? Yeah, the sake bomb. And was that your first ever sake bomb? Yeah, I never did, done one before, or even seen one before. That's remarkable. Is that Was that your first time? Oh, God, no. Oh, really? Oh, my God. You're no. pretty good. I, I pounded the pavement and the shot <laughs> fell in. <laughs> We did the whole chopsticks holding the the shot glass, and we did it. We did it legit. Yes, I I I think you know what I I like about the place is, uh, it's very accessible. It's open from lunch until dinner. I don't do they. I don't think they close in between lunch and dinner, right? I don't think so. Yeah, and I thought the prices were reasonable. The quality of the seafood, given the price, was I thought was also fair, and I really had a great time. Unfortunately, it's not as busy as I would have hoped or thought. It's right next to Laro in, in um, the west side of downtown Portland. And like I said, I, I thought, oh, it's next to Grasa. Mm-hmm. And I thought the location was fine. And I'm surprised it's not busier. I think yeah, it it's be. like 12th and Washington-ish. Yeah. Uh, near the new Nongs Common Guy, near Lardo, near Grasa. Uh, like you said, it's a, it's a Las Vegas import. And I think the best part of it is this happy hour where some of their, did you even say what they serve? Hand rolls. Hand rolls. Yeah, yeah. Hand rolls. So what they do these like pretty high-end hand rolls with lobster and crab and tu- spicy tuna. And at Happy Hour, they go down to like five or six bucks each. It's kind of a steal. good deal. Yeah, it's kind like, of a steal. Imagine if you could get a little tiny lobster roll for five or six bucks. You would be there all the time. And this is just that with rice instead of um, like a bun. You know? Right. Bring your own bun. Go to uh, go to the Safeway, get some Hawaiian buns, pull out all the lobster, and do some sake bomb. Go there and drink a lot of sake and drink a uh, drink a lot of uh, eat a lot of rolls. Nice place. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, should we just jump right into my number nine then? Yeah. Okay. So I have another pick that's kind of fun and a place that I would love to see get a, a little more business, which is uh, Smoke and Fire Fish. Uh, it's a newer Hawaiian restaurant that took over the Pyology. Um, that's a, a, a 
sort of a fast casual pizza chain owned by Panda Express or Panda oh. Express is an investor. Um, it still feels like a pieology when you walk in. Uh, it's really big. You kind of order at a counter and then walk down a, like a, what looks like it used to be a Chipotle style ordering line, but they don't do that. You just order at the counter. And then the food is actually really, really good. Um, it's great value. They have these giant spam musubi that I know Gary's had and really liked. Um, they have a really buttery uh, butter mochi cake. Uh, they have great, um, you know, all the things you'd expect. Really good Kahlua pig, really good. Um, they have like a Korean fried chicken wing. They do something called meat jun, which is a Korean dish that is also served in Hawaii. It's like this breaded and then egg washed and then fried beef cutlet that's really delicious. Uh, and I don't think any other Hawaiian restaurant that I know of in, in Portland serves that. Uh, the rice is good. The mac salad is good. And then at night, they elevate things with, you know, some more elaborate big dishes meant for sharing. And Chef Chris Cha is a Korean-American chef who spent time in Hawaii. It's just kind of like gently elevated plate lunch. And Portland has that in 808, although 808 takes some more liberties with the traditional recipes. So I really got a kick out of finding smoke and fire fish. I don't think anybody's really written about them critically in Portland. And um, I'm happy to put a little spotlight on them because if you like Hawaiian food, this is a great place to go. I've gone uh, three times. And uh, the last two times I just went for the Spam Musubi because they're really, really huge. I think they sell them for two for five dollars. It could have been two for seven, but I'm pretty sure it's two for five. Uh, I've gone once where I went with my family, my cousins, and we ordered a bunch of stuff. I thought it was okay. It didn't make my top ten. Sure. It was kind of like, was, at one point I did have it in the top ten just for the Spam Musubi, but I went recently just for the Spam Musubi, and it was not good. I went, mm. I went for lunch, and it was just, the rice was too clumped together. It was like a brick. Mm. And once I had it for dinner, a couple times I had it for dinner, it was, and they were both fantastic. Like, really, really good Spam Musubi. So, I don't know. It kind of, I had to move it out of the top ten. I think Michael's gone more than I have, and has ordered more than I have. So, I mean, I trust his opinion. So, good to have it in his top 10, but it wasn't in my top 10. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fun place. And I feel like if, uh, you know, one of the things that helps with consistency is being busier. So you, people should check it out and, right. you know, hopefully that gets worked out. And now on to number eight, which is actually also mine. So for number eight, I picked yonder. Yonder is the spinoff more, not quite fast casual, but more approachable and drop in restaurant from, uh, Maya Lovelace, who ran uh, Appalachian or runs an Appalachian pop-up called May. Um, so that pop-up started at Old Salt Market in uh, the Concordia Cully neighborhood on 42nd. And it ran for a good long while. It moved to Dame for a bit. And then uh, earlier this year, she opened Yonder, which is a, a at the time it was a counter service place. You walked in, you ordered some fried chicken, some sides. She does some really fantastic sides. I love her pimento mac and cheese. I love her rice and lima beans, which are just super delicious. You can, you're can you just going to spoon them up. Um, the uh, chicken itself, I think, is excellent. I, I'm not sure it's like my... I don't know if it's the style of chicken that I love the most. We were having a text exchange about what our favorite fried chicken is. Like, 
Um, I had, I was lucky enough to go to New Orleans and go to, you know, Willie Mae Scotch house and these kind of old school fried chicken places that kind of like shattery delicious fried chicken is more in my wheelhouse. Maya has this like cast iron fried chicken, which it's probably in the same genre as country cat. If you've ever been there in Southeast Portland, well, I guess that's closed now. Um, uh, it's a, it's an animal fat fried chicken. And instead of being that like shattering crust, it's more the, the, the crust kind of holds onto the bird a little bit more, but her flavors are really delicious. The chicken's really good. So even though it's not like, I mean, my actual favorite style of chicken is the Korean fried chicken I had in Seoul, but you know, I really respect the quality and I respect how tasty it is. Even if it's not like what, how, how, what would be my ideal fried chicken probably wouldn't be yonder. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've gone through some changes. They were counter service. Now they're table service. They take reservations. I just wanted them on my top 10 list because I think her food is really good. Um, especially some of the sides. And there's also a, um, iceberg lettuce salad with this buttermilk, uh, ramp vinaigrette that I think is, you know, one of my favorite new salads in the city right now. Okay, great. Like I went more early on and I think there were some issues regarding the food. So I need to go back to try it again. Cause I thought the style of chick- fried chicken has, ch- has changed from the cast iron to uh, frying it now. Yeah, it is deep fried. I should point that out. But I think that she's been able to get kind of close to what her style of fried chicken is, even though, the way it's cooked has changed. I might be totally wrong about that. And, and you've gone much much more recently than I did. Yes, I like, went uh, actually last week. So. Right. So you have a better feel for it. Yeah. I've been, I think, three, maybe four times, uh, if you include, four times if you include a takeout uh, meal that I had. And I, I, I think that they are not on your top 10, but they are on mine. Okay. Gotcha. And, and to be fair, they aren't in the top five. I think May... Taken on its own probably would be on the top five and definitely will be, you know, you know, I'll probably consider it for next year because it has reopened pretty fairly recently. Um, but uh, yonder. So uh, what's next for you? Number seven is the star, which is a well, there are a couple of styles of pizza there, more of a thin crust, which I still guess get what which I've been told is also a Chicago, Chicago style thin crust. Pizza, even though it's San Francisco based, very confusing, but it is San Francisco based. But they're most known for their deep dish style of pizza, Chicago style pizza. And <clears throat> in Portland doesn't have, no offense to the ones that are currently in existence outside of the Star, it's not the best Chicago style deep dish town. No. And the Star is. Say that again. The Star is the best of the, of the ones that we have here in, in town. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've had. In Chicago, Luminati's and Giordano's and Pizzeria Uno, the original location, which I think is on Ohio Street. Uh, not sure if it's Ohio Street, but I think it's Ohio Street. But regardless, I mean, Pequot's is the best. If you want to go to Chicago, go to Pequot's, have the deep dish there. But I do love deep dish. I love all pizza. And I thoroughly enjoyed my meal at the start. You were with me when I went there. <laughs> I was, and I thought it was really good. And I actually am familiar with the star and its sister restaurant, little star. So sort of com- to confuse things, you know, uh, uh, the star actually has a, 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 comes out of the San Francisco area, but it itself came from another restaurant called little star and little star is pretty wild, widely con- to considered to be the best deep dish pizza in, pizzeria in the SF Bay area. All of the deep dish in the Bay Area comes out of this Berkeley restaurant called Zachary's. Like, all of them have some connection. Maybe they work there or whatever. Zachary's, 
was a really fantastic deep dish pizzeria. Like it probably would have, it could have existed in Chicago in its heyday. More recently I went back and it's not quite as great, but little star carries on that tradition. The two main uh, founders of little star had a sort of a, a peaceful separation and were, I don't I've never heard of this before in the restaurant world, but uh, the star spun, you know, spun off under one of the owners. They kept the recipes. They kept the menu virtually identical and little star stayed as its own thing. So there's, there's little star and the star coexisting in the same market uh, under different owners with very similar menus. The star added some sandwiches and some more cocktails and then now has a Portland location. So they've sort of differentiated themselves there. But I hundred I, percent I agree it is the best deep dish pizza in Portland now, bar none. It was a very low bar to to, <laughs> to jump over, <laughs> but they did it. Do, do you have it in your top ten? It's not in my top ten, but I have no qualms with you putting it in. I think it's a good pick. Okay. And um, the next one at number seven is that right? Six or seven? Are we at six? Let's or seven? see. I think that was seven for you. I think you're on six now. It is fish and rice. Oh, yeah, we, uh, you and I went there. Um, that's my only visit there, but I it's I thoroughly had a thoroughly enjoyable time there. It. it it's very, again, I use this word a lot. It's very approachable. It's open uh, for lunch and dinner. Now, on weekends, they don't close in between lunch and dinner. Uh, it's, a, it's a Japanese restaurant. Uh, they have a, it's a fairly large menu. Uh, it's, it's very kid-friendly and family-friendly. It's a bright place. Um, it's, I like the atmosphere, very vibrant. Uh, it's it's a thoroughly enjoyable meal there. I was surprised. I didn't. I had never even really heard of it. In that, a mutual friend of ours, Seiji, recommended it, so we kind of went, gave it a shot, shot, and I think I liked it. I I think you might have liked it too. Yeah, shout out to Seiji. He did tell us about it, and I thought it was really really good. They're not in my top ten, but they would definitely be in that honorable mention category. Um, the uh, the fish quality is pretty impressive for the price for the price, and you know for Portland, it's a they have. You know, you sometimes see Hokkaido uni on the menu, and it's not wildly expensive. Um, there's a pick two. I forget what the exact price point is, but you get two rolls, you get a little miso soup, you get a salad, and it's pretty. Is it like thirteen bucks? Something like that. It's very reasonable. Yeah. So if you're if you work in downtown Portland, I don't know if you'd like have to visit there if you're flying in from out of town. But if you work in downtown Portland and can make it up to Northwest, it's kind of by the Levi's, tucked up there. Uh, I described it as the uh, Rodeo Drive of Portland. <laughs> it's like really budget Rodeo Drive. Around 23rd and Burnside, West Burnside. Yeah, That's you're, then you're in the ballpark. location. It's a really cute place. They've got like a Nintendo or Super Nintendo uh, video game system out front uh, for kids and little house plants. They've got Japanese whiskey. They've got good canned beer. It's all these like on trend things. Sake. The owner is uh, Peter. Peter, who worked at Longbun front yes. of house and used to. I own sushi places in the Midwest before that. So, hey, great pick. I love it. And what's your next pick? My next pick is number five, Fermenter. Fermenter is a four-seat vegan chef's counter run by a power lifter and leftist activist and longtime plant-based Portland chef, Aaron Adams. And it's a real kick. I think it sounds like such a hokey log line. If I explain it that way, that people might think it's like a joke, but the cooking is really, really good. Um, 
the meals are simple. It's unpretentious. They were $20 to start. Now it's $23. You get three courses. It's usually a salad with some fermented vegetables. In the early going, the main has been this incredibly good black bean tempeh, which I just like it totally changed what I thought about. I know, right? I had the funny thing is you and I, I don't know how many times you've gone. How many times have you gone? Twice. I went the first time I went, I think you went the same day. (laughs) That's true. I heard that. (laughs) And the tempeh really blew me away. It's so good. I mean, so I actually realized that I didn't know much about tempeh before I went there because I'm Googling it. It's an Indonesian dish, which is why you see it at a lot of Indonesian restaurants. They invented tempeh. It's, it's tofu that has been fermented, hence the name, with a spore. And it develops this like uh, white you know, structure that's like created by, by spores. And it for- forms a tofu cake on its own. So it's this kind of cool process. Like a lot of things at the restaurant are about changing, you know, through fermentation or pickling or this process. Um, you know, the chef Aaron Adams can tell you all about it. Uh, he incubates his own tempeh and it's just so delicious. Like they take it out of the incubator, they slice it, they sear it. And it just, it tastes like meaty and nutty. And, uh, they, he's currently been serving it over this really nice, uh, roasted pepper and tomato puree, maybe with some corn. I don't know. Then it, it's just fantastic. There is a four seat counter, but there's also, you could sit outside and or get to go bowls. Yeah, from there. and they're good. They're uh, so, super good. Yeah, so if you can't get seats to the four seat counter, you you might want to try to walk in and maybe get a to go order. Or I think there's seating outside. You just get there's a, isn't there almost like an a la carte menu too? So a little bit. I mean, he does that. Will might grow over time, but right now it's like there's pickles on sticks, and then there's this uh, bowl that's like greens, grains, and um, beans, beans, greens, and grains. And it's they, they have house sauces, which could be like a fermented yogurt sauce or some kind of mango sauce you get to pick. The bowls are good, and I've gotten them. And I feel like if you're looking for just like a healthy meal to – if you have like a busy day or, you know, you're going to go work out but you don't want to eat meat, it's a really good option. But it's actually that chef's counter, if you can get in, which right now there's like no problem. I walked right in. Oh. Uh, both of the times I've gone, there's nobody there. But – Oh, the first time I was there, it worked out really perfectly. Like we got there, there actually, there actually were people at the counter and they're like 10 minutes. We wait outside, we go eat another two people joined us. And about 10 minutes before we were done, another group of four comes in and says, can we sit? And they're like, it'll be about 10 minutes. It was just like moving along perfectly because the meals are only 30 to 40 minutes long. Right. Right. So it's not like you're sitting there all day, which is great. Um, the tempeh is really great. The desserts are usually some kind of ripe fruit, um, I, I really can't say enough. Like I, I think maybe, uh, you know, it might be one of the best new vegan restaurants in America. I actually, let's just say it. I think it's one of the best new vegan restaurants in America. What, okay. what is it competing against? Yeah, that's, that's another issue. But I, <laughs> I, I loved it too. Cause I have it at number five on my list, my overall oh. list too. Okay, great. Now I get to go in a completely different direction. Um, number four, Bullard. I, uh, this is a restaurant from, that's been long awaited from a chef named Doug Adams, who was a finalist on Top Chef season 12. And his sort of vision for Bullard was to take his life experiences, which run from growing up in East Texas to moving to Montana to then, you know, getting into cooking, ending up in Portland where he worked with Vitaly Paley um, and 
was at a restaurant called Imperial downtown when he did really well on Top Chef. And you see, I mean, to you kind of want to roll your eyes at that, like, oh, you know, it's my life story or something. It's like, well, you know, do I really care about someone's life story? But I think Doug's a really good cook. And what in practice, what that means is he's taking Whataburger style burgers, like with mustard on them. He's taking Texas barbecue. He's taking all the like Tex-Mex and he's taking them from, you know, the street stall from the, from the, from the juke joint. And he's bringing them into a really nice looking downtown hotel restaurant with great cocktails, margaritas in pitchers and great beer that's made by Doug's uh, wife, Whitney Burnside from 10 barrel brewing Portland, who's a great brewer. Um, so it's just got a lot going for it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fun thing that he's done to take these Texas things that feel a little bit like comfort food and then elevating them until they fit into a downtown hotel setting. I've been multiple times and I, I really enjoy what, what my, my favorite parts of Bullard are the lunches and the brunches. Uh, I, I found those to be the most consistent I, I, the lunch you can get like one protein and two sides or something like that. I think it's yeah one and one and two or one and three or something like that. And and I've I've had rainbow trout there with a couple of sides and been, it's been fantastic. And the prices are relatively reasonable and the and the quantity is also significant for the price. And and for uh, brunches, there's a hash brown dish that I always order that's that's been great. They have like different. Uh, different style pickle juices, three different style pickle juices. And once I went there and had a martini with a dirty martini with each one. So I had three martinis. I was pretty sloshed after about an hour and a half. This is at lunch? Uh, brunch. <laughs> weekend brunch. So yeah, if you want to do that, just go have some dirty martinis with those uh, different flavored pickle juices. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've had some inconsistent meals there for dinners. So it's, but it's still number three on my list. Mm hmm. So, I've I actually had her ranked harder than you. Um, maybe, maybe that's true. Well, this is my <laughs> first pick since number one. So, oh, that's true. Okay, um, you know, I think what like, I think it's there's, I think Doug Adams is maybe like sort of overrated and underrated at the same time. Like, there, I think he has super fans. Like, I know a few who think he can do no wrong. They watched him on Top Chef. They fell in love with him. They're a little bit starstruck by his celebrity. You know, he gets to go on Good Morning America and make hot dogs and that kind of thing. And then I think maybe there's some people who feel like his food is so simple that maybe it doesn't deserve the acclaim that it's gotten. And I've heard that too. So I, I think there's these both sides. But I think it was his time at um, a restaurant on Southeast Division Street that's now gone called the Woodsman Tavern, which had been totally... Uh, uh, it was an afterthought. They fell out of my restaurant guide. Um, they fell out of everybody's restaurant guide. And the food was like, it, it was like totally the whim of the owner. You know, you might find some like, you know, fried shrimp with uh, like, I don't know, like done Buffalo style. Like, and it was just like, not even that good. It was like, what is this weird, bad bar food? Like Doug took that over. He kept the spirit, the sort of Southern Nashville spirit of the place. And he was just serving like really simple but good things, like a great bologna sandwich or some great oh, yeah. fried chicken. I mean, like the, he, yeah. I think what he does is he, he doesn't mess with the nature of a dish. He just kind of builds on it until it's like good, good, good. And maybe anybody could do that. I think chefs might feel that way in town, but I, 
I I'm impressed by it, and I think that there's a reason that people really love him and love his cooking. I had a re- like one of my favorite dishes from him recently was a fried green tomato dish that was absolutely fantastic. Right, and that's interesting. One thing I learned: if you go on Sundays for their fried chicken night, where he does a quick smoked and fried chicken that is probably my favorite fried chicken in town. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe reel him in. Yonder's super good. Uh, like I said, it's a, there's stylistic things at play. Han Oak's wings are great. Like there's Anyway, there's a lot to like. But so you do like, th- I have not been in for Sunday fried chicken. I thought it was, <laughs> I think his fried chicken's great. I've okay. loved it at Imperial. Uh, I loved it at yeah. Woodsman Tavern. I love it at Bullard. But they don't do the fried green tomatoes on Sundays. Oh, that's Because they keep this uh, fryer space for the chickens. Okay. Yeah, I learned that. And on to, to number three. Number three. My pick, Gado Gado. Whoa. Yeah, I, I've, been maybe 12 13 14 times to gato gato it's my favorite brunch in portland right now they on their brunch you can get both spicier things and really sweet things like there's a waffle a pen and waffle dish with like cereal on top of it it's really <laughs> sweet there's this chinese sausage dish i think it's chinese sausage it's called bakwa it's like five bucks i get one order there then I get one order to go, which I take home and eat later that night with Japanese rice that I make at home. So that's kind of like my my dinner night, dinner time meal, uh, bringing gado gado leftovers. I also have a lot of leftovers when I go to gado gado for brunch because I tend to over order. So I bring my little boxes and I take them home with me and I have that for usually dinner too. So, and the prices are very reasonable. I love the brunches. Dinners have gotten so much better. Uh, I love, love, love... Um, uh well you know you know what there's one thing I don't love that I've actually talked about it with you is Thomas changes his menu a lot. One thing that I think he needs to get rid of that he maybe never get rid of is do you know what I'm going to say, Michael? Yes, I do. Yeah, the it's Kendall. The- oh God, that, that that's still on the menu. Oh, Michael. I thought you were going to say the dumplings. I actually like the dumplings. Yeah, now. they've gotten a lot better. They've gotten so much better. The dumplings are so much better. The Kendall needs to go but gotta, right gotta, so it's this indonesian and also you know it's got variations throughout southeast asia dessert it's an ice dessert with like pandan little drops of her i don't want to say gummies but you know that might give you the sense of what they are yeah and their version just like it just is not good and it's never been good it maybe got a little better last time but it has like zero flavor they got to take it off the menu uh and other desserts there have been really bad too i mean we had this uh, cookie ice cream cookie sandwich where the cookies were so hard that I tried to cut into it and the ice cream went shooting across the table <laughs> like a hockey puck. I, I know we're being critical of Gado Gado. Gado is number two on my list, by the way. And um, I, I, that, I know we're picking on Gado Gado. I mean, I do love the place. I think they've gotten better and better, especially for dinner. And I, I, I'm hopeful and I believe it will continue to get better and better. Uh, I don't know if it's kind of a double-edged sword given that he changes the menu so frequently. I think he's changing it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it just seems like he's changing it less. But the turnover on that menu was so, 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 it was so often. Like one of my favorite things I ever had on the menu was that corn dog. Do you ever have that? No, it was gone by the time I ate that. Yeah, and it was, I loved that. And it was like, it was gone after the first no, month. No, I, I had the exact same experience. Like the first time I went there, I had this uh, crawfish with this like, Old Bay butter broth that with Sichuan chili sauce. And this broth was, you were there with me, actually. It was so good. And you could take this, they got this Hawaiian bread loaf from Anshi and Bakery in Southeast Portland. 
and it was just basically a milk bread. They charred that a little bit and then you could rip off hunks and dip it in this butter. I thought it was the best thing I had that night um, was that bread and then that broth. And then someone who I know was like raving about the Coca-Cola clams. And I was like, okay, next time I come in, I'm going to try the Coca-Cola clams and maybe I'll get the crawfish again because I loved it. So I go back in, the Coca-Cola clams are gone. They're not on the menu. And now the crawfish comes in the Coca-Cola broth. It does not have the Old Bay butter broth. So I was like, I didn't want to eat, order that. Like, it's not what I wanted. You know, I wanted to do one or the other. But anyway, I think, you know, they're dialing in their menu. I think right. they need to just have a little less ADD with the menu because it's changing too much. And I've talked to Mariah the uh, the co-owner and wife of Thomas Pichet Duffley, who's the chef there. And, you know, so it's not like I'm saying this and I'm saying it behind their back because I, I, I say it to their face. And I, but I think it's, like I said, I think the menu seems to more, have stabilized somewhat. So I hope that, you know, that he dials in these dishes so they're just really, you know, as good as they can be. And then I, I think the menu will really have tightened up then at that point. But I love the place. Like I said, it's second on my list. So Gato Gato for me is right around five or six on my list this year. And I'll be honest, I have not been to the brunch. I tend to do a big brunch guide every year. So I, I wait until before then to go to all the brunches. Um, and then I'm sick of going to brunch. But <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I did go to a brunch pop-up that they did. I think we went together yeah, actually. Guild. at um, Gilder. Gilder, yeah. uh, what, it's a great coffee shop in Northeast Portland. I love the Kaya toast. I, I actually really love that brunch. That's what made me the most like excited that they might open a restaurant. And I was really like pumped about this place before they opened. I wrote a whole big piece about their pop noodle pop up that they were doing. And um, you know the, I think the one of my favorite parts of Gato Gato so far is just that they opened in Hollywood. Right. And Hollywood yeah. is this old fashion neighborhood in Portland that used to be home to this giant burger restaurant um, called Yaw's Top Notch. And it's expanded across two city blocks, two big city blocks. It's now there's a McDonald's and some apartments there. And it was, you know, there's a great old movie theater there that's like a hundred year old movie theater that's still probably the best movie theater in Portland. Hollywood theater. show. You know, they're the ones that get the Quentin Tarantino right. movie in 70 millimeter and Tarantino himself shows up to air it. Like they're the ones who, you know, it's just like they have the best popcorn in Portland. They have the best movies in Portland. It's like, I love the Hollywood theater and I used to be a member, but you know, uh, I let that lapse, but there's never been a great place to eat there. Right. Um, like Gary and I both like if on, you know, just for fun, we both go to this, like separately go to the sushi go round called uh, Sushi Chio. Sushi Chio. Um, I mean, it's not a great restaurant by any stretch of the imagination, but like that's the cheap place to go get sushi in that neighborhood. I was just there. There's like a Thai slash Japanese like fusion restaurant that's no good. There's a there's a couple. Of, there used to be two breweries. Now there's just one. Neither one has great food. Laurel Laurelwood probably is the better food. There is uh, there's a, there is a favorite of yours in that neighborhood. Yes, Chin's Kitchen. That's absolutely true. Chin's Kitchen is a great northeastern Chinese restaurant um, that is often on my restaurant guide. I love their regional uh, northeastern Chinese dishes, but it's not a hip place. And Gado Gado is a very hip place. I think that they they took over an old Vietnamese pho place, and um, 
it's a lot of fun. I'm. It's going to be the place that I go before movies at the Hollywood for as long as they're open. And I, I would have had it at number four, except for the brunches. The brunches moved it up from four to two. Nice. Wow. Huge. And I've had some inconsistent meals at some of the other restaurants recently. So Four to your two, not yeah, to your... Yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, three yeah, on our... Yeah, yeah. Draft. It's yeah. From, from my list from four to two. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump to your number two. We've talked about that one for a number long time. Number two is actually my number one on my overall list, and that's... Bear Lou. Vince Wynn's tasting menu only restaurant. I've gone twice, once with Michael recently, a few days ago, and I went about a month after it opened. My favorite dishes that I've had this year are at Bear Lou. There was a um, couple of dishes I really loved. There's a, it was zucchini with pickled bone marrow with lavender threads. On Charred top. Lavender you and I threads. have had yeah. a couple of times. There was. Um, a dessert with tomato tea, almond dumplings, and pickled cherries, if I remember correctly. I love that. Uh, th- there's a bay shrimp uh, uh, dish, savory dish, that came with the broth came in a test tube. Vince, Vince likes test tubes. so there's, You'll get two if you go visit. Right. So my favorite dishes have come out of Bearloo. My favorite Portland dishes have, have come out of Bearloo this year. They're... The first meal I went to had some major faux, faux pas, a couple of them, but that they were corrected on the recent meal that, at least I think they were corrected, when the recent meal that I had with um, Michael. There's one dish I really thought was pretty hideous, and I told Vince that this dish is hideous. <laughs> and it was a lemon bomb and agastache sorbet. Is that right? Yes. Oh, God. I couldn't. I couldn't eat that thing. I ha- oh, I ate. I think I ate almost all of it. I ate half of it. Okay, I like that dish, but you yeah, liked- it tasted like li- I know, you it tasted you like Lysol. It. it tasted like cleaning for cleaning. You like that dish? If you said it tasted like Lysol, you like tasting? You go you t- you go like spraying Lysol in your mouth? <laughs> no, okay, but, then. <laughs> but I mean, it's uh, Lysol is uh, you know it's they <laughs> they have to get that flavor from somewhere. Just because I have that association doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. Well, I, again, I know I'm... It wasn't the best dish of the night. And I had a pine nut sorbet the time before that was better. No question. And, oh, yeah. And I, there was a, a, a crushed homemade to- tofu strawberry and coriander seed dessert uh, dish that was actually not a dessert uh, that, I pre- that I had in the first meal. That was Another one of my favorite dishes in Portland that I've had this year. Again, the reason I have Bear Lou, number one, is because of the highs there are ridiculously high, especially for Portland. Okay. I love Berlue. I have them at number two on my list, so we're not exactly like, uh, you know, way off base on this one. Um, they are, some of the things I love about it, I love the same dish as you do, that weird little bay shrimp dish with the uh, fig leaf oil and the, it came with leeks one time and then it came with these uh, beautiful artichoke petals the next time and the silly little test tube filled with like a seafood broth, like, <laughs> I, I, there's some stuff about that restaurant that's like silly and ridiculous and like easy to make fun of if you wanted to, but his presentations are so beautiful and the sort of mission of the restaurant really appeals to me, which is that he almost exclusively uses like not just regular everyday ingredients, but by and large ingredients you might even have in your pantry as like a basic home cook. Like the main course is chicken the the one of the top dishes is built around zucchini. Yes, there's bone marrow in it, but you know that that's about as wild as it gets. And you've probably had bone marrow at a brew pub these days. Like that's not that exotic of an ingredient these days. Um, 
you know, bay shrimp, like when, you know, when that's the best bay shrimp dish I've ever had in my life. Um, the, uh, what were you going to say, Gary? I normally don't like Oregon albacore tuna, but the albacore tuna dish we had on Saturday night, I especially loved. Oh, it's just like a tataki. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, With, um, yeah. Right. Was that have grapes with it? I think so. Yeah. Grapes. Yeah. yeah. Grapes and tuna. That was the title. Grapes and tuna. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Simple, but my God, I really like that dish. Yeah, the, the 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 experience itself is memorable. It's um, you know, a uh, this like intensely white restaurant, and it's in a. You walk up to it. It's pretty close in Portland, but there's a pretty boring looking apartment around it. You walk in off this courtyard, and you're just like you're out in this kind of nameless section of Portland. You open the door, and it's just like blindingly white. White walls, white <laughs> tiles. Vince and his sous chef are both wearing white shirts and white. Aprons, I think. Everyone's wearing white. All, all the staff wearing is white. wearing white. It's really intense. And um, then, like, I was there with my wife, and I said to her, like, what kind of a person makes a restaurant, like, this clean and this white? Like, you know, their little prep counter gets wiped down, like, maniacally after every course. And, like, it's just, like, so clean. And she goes, oh, you haven't been to the bathroom yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, What? And I, so like at the end of the meal, I open the door and it's just like, boom, David Bowie. <laughs> like he's taken these like four different David Bowie eras, like persona over the years. And he's plastered them all over the bathroom walls, like repeated many, many, many times. And then he's playing this like old interview with David Bowie, this old British interview about how he has long hair. And it's like, you know, this is like, he keeps things so buttoned down. He's like, it's like a mullet, you know, it's like business up front, party around back. Like the bathroom is the party. And he's like <laughs> stowing, he's like hiding all his like wild, you know, I mean, there's, there's creativity on the plate too, but I think there's like a freak flag that he wants to fly, but only out of sight. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's an intriguing experience. Like I, I remember just like walking in one night drunk at like, I just walked in middle of service one night. He thought it was pretty funny. Like, and there, and like people were saying, "Oh, there's Gary the Foodie. There's Gary the Foodie." And so it's just like one of those things where I felt comfortable. Like, walk. I, I wouldn't advise any of you else to do that <laughs> because he's gonna kick you out. Maybe he'll call the cops. Luckily, he knows me. And granted, he and I are friends. I have it number one. Yes, I know. I said, "Well, you're, you're not. You're not being really." Um, Objective. Well, yes, I am. I, Vince will tell you I'm his harshest critic. Yes, I make fun. With him. I make yeah. fun of him when he makes a really bad dish, and I never let him forget those bad dishes because I want him to succeed. I want him to be consistent, and you can't make. It's just you can't make major errors. I mean, he's, it's eighty dollars. To me, it's very reasonable considering it's it's um, it's a tasty menu. I think it's elevated. I think it's worth eighty dollars, if not more. But still, I mean, people expect perfection when they go out and eat at tasty menus. And Would you pay put that level. them in your top ten overall Portland restaurants right now? Yes, because you know what, Jolie Led was in my top ten when as a pop up, as a pop up in my top ten overall. It was Portland. not in mine, but you yeah. know, I think that. He has evolved so much, you know, from the early days of, of his pop-up to the, the sort of later career stuff to, to even the first couple of months at Berlue till now. It's been, he just keeps improving. And I think he's, you know, he's a very accomplished chef. His dishes are really 
you know, unique and speak to his personality. And they're really beautiful. The zucchini and bone marrow dish that you mentioned. Um, I enjoyed it the more the first time I thought the bone marrow was a little firmer, which actually helped when you're sort of breaking through this lattice work of zucchini. But when it comes, all you see is this zucchini and it's arranged in this really pretty, um, layered sort of weaved effect that where it looks like the zucchinis are all half moons. And, um, you know, he's cut that into a circle. So it lays perfectly on top of the bowl of bone marrow. And then there's more cooked zucchini underneath. It's not technically pickled, uh, bone marrow if we wanted to get nerdy about it. Cause he's just boiling it in, um, uh, rice wine vinegar, but it's, um, it, you know, it has a pickleish flavor because of that vinegar. Um, but it looks like an art deco piece. You know, there's something about that pattern of half moons, like repeated, that looks like art deco. So it's like his dishes are visually really surprising and stunning. And then this is a town where, I mean, you know, one of the restaurants that is not on either of our lists that might surprise people, I might be giving this away that it's not my number one, but is Arizo, which is one of the most um, recognized restaurants of the past year in Portland. And with good reason because their mission statement is to, um, you know, use seafood that has been, you know, ignored or that is caught while By fishermen catch. are catching other yeah. more lucrative catches. It's such a cool idea. It's a $125 tasting menu. So significantly more expensive than Berlou, but the level of cooking is like not even in the same ballpark or league as Berlou. Like Berlou is up there with Castagna and Notoguro, you know, that would probably be somewhere like, you know, Berlou would probably be three, but it's also half the price of the other two. So, you know, you see in Portland, a lot of times people want to do tasting menus. They want to do fine dining, but they maybe don't really have the experience to execute it at the level that Vince is doing it. Or just the skill. Yeah, sure. If, if Vince can be consistent with his food, he most, if it were me, if I were a Michelin inspector, I would give him one star most definitely. It's like slam dunk one star. Yeah. And it it, it is in if, my... T- if, quote unquote, yeah. I know you're a secret Michelin inspector. <laughs> in, I, I really had, it is in my, it would Just be in my top 10 restaurants in Portland right now. I don't know where in my top 10 it would be, uh, but it would be in my top 10. Uh, I'm with you, maybe. I don't know. I'm it's too early to tell. Yeah, I, for you. I have a year. Yeah, to, I have you a year to figure that it. out. Yeah, yeah, you haven't even thought about but it. But I do think it's one of the most impressive openings of the year. And I think if if you're someone who who feels comfortable spending eighty dollars to be, you know, sort of wowed by food, and you know, if you believe that fine dining should have a place in Portland, I think this is a really unique way to approach that because him building his main course around chicken or it's going to be duck soon as a way to kind of keep prices down is a really smart way to do fine dining in a town that everyone says there's not enough fortune 500 companies in Portland to support. You need those executive expense accounts to support fine dining. Like Portland doesn't have that. So how do you do it? And this is a really fun way to try to do it, you know, cause you can keep the prices around 80, $85, whatever it's going to be. He does vegan weeks once every season that, um, are pretty exciting too. I, I think it's a really cool restaurant opening. And if you, if what we're saying intrigues you, I think it's, it's, it's definitely one of the top two or three restaurant openings there. I do think he, you know, looking back on my meals from 10,000 feet, I do think that he could embrace 
sauces. I think that he could, you know, <laughs> we talked about he, that. He could bring yeah. in more depth of flavor. Like he uses a technique for his grilled. So if you've ever had, if you've been there and you've had something that he says is grilled, uh, I think he's actually roasting it and then adding a smoked oil to it is what he told me. Uh, I don't want to misrepresent what they're doing, but it, you know, it's not like liquid smoke that you buy at the supermarket, but it, it, it's in, in effect the same thing and it can kind of slick your tongue and mouth with this like smoky oil taste that he, that kind of runs through a few of the dishes. It's, it's in the, maybe the chicken heart, one of the chicken dishes it's in the bay shrimp dish. I think there could be like an expansion of, of the flavor palette. Um, Just but, by using jus or stock. Yeah. To make a gravy. Or sauces or something. Yeah. But his, uh, his approach to constructing dishes visually in particular is so so cool and so unique that you know absolutely top two or even i cannot see the argument for one so why is your number one not eem which is my number one you who doesn't like, love eem you at, old crank. At, one, at one point it was number two but i've gone recently where the meals have been very very inconsistent what went wrong lunches are not particularly uh see that's lunches have issues. i haven't tried the lunch yeah lunches have issues at least i've gone Two or three times to lunch. So they did a crazy thing. Okay, so let's let me, all right. I'll explain what. So, Eam is Earl, Eric, and Matt. It's Earl Ninsom, who runs several of the best Thai restaurants in Portland, including Longbon and Hot Yai. It's Eric Nelson, who ran the Island Cocktail Pop Up Shipwreck, and it's Matt Vice Domini, who runs Matt's Barbecue and Matt's Barbecue Tacos, which are two of the best food carts period in Portland. And they also make my, by my account, the best barbecue in Portland. I think that's especially his brisket is there's no equal. So those three teamed up and what they came up with is Thai flavors, Texas barbecue and tropical cocktails, three teas. And they have been packed since the day they opened because it's just such a simple and natural fit. You have smoked meats from Matt, from the best. I mean, I would argue Matt is as good at making Texas-style barbecue, as good at making smoked meats, particularly brisket, as anybody on the West Coast. There may be a pop-up or two in SF or LA that I haven't got, gotten into yet, but I know Seattle pretty well. I know the Bay Area's, estab Bay Area's established scene pretty well. There's really nobody in Seattle who can even hold his, uh, you know, his axe, his wood-splitting axe. Um, He's a Long Island native who actually like first started cooking barbecue in Australia at a place called The Gem that's pretty well regarded over there. And, you know, it's such a natural fit to take these curries, whether it's like a jungle curry without coconut milk or like a rich and creamy white curry, and then put in this great sliced brisket or this great, you know, brisket burnt ends. Or there's also like a shredded lamb curry, red curry that's fantastic. Like the curries are better than any Thai curry you've had outside of Hot Yai, Ninsom's other restaurant. And the barbecue is better than any barbecue you've ever had in Portland. So you put that together. And I will note, just to be fair to your point of view, the barbecue at Eam is not the barbecue at Matt's Barbecue or Matt's Barbecue Tacos. I think especially Matt's Barbecue is clearly better than the barbecue at Eam. Um, I mean, that's just a fact. There's no question that. But I heard from Matt just the other day that soon... They will be centralizing their barbecue for Matt's barbecue for the taco place and for Eam all in one place. So it'll actually all be the same barbecue, which 
should be good for Eam. If I were doing this list and including carts, Matt's Barbecue Tacos would be number two behind Bear Lou. I went to Matt's Barbecue in the last six weeks, two months, and it was horrible. Truly effing horrible. I had the brisket, I had the sausage. I didn't even want to take the sausage home. It was oily, it was grotesque. It, it was it was inedible, inedible. I did take the brisket home. It was okay. I mean, I had it. I had it there, and I had it the next day, and ate it all. It was fine, but it wasn't. I've had. Be- I, he's done better. He does. If he doesn't want to, fine. You know, we had an off day. I'm okay with that. Have an off day. I've been to Eam 12, 13, 14 times. The, the the meat is okay. It's not great. It's okay. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's the curries are great. Nim and Earl collaborate. I've been told on the curries. Maybe it's more Nim, maybe it's more Earl. I don't know. Curries are great. Curries and cocktails, CNC, alliteration, are great <laughs> at Eam. That's why it was number two. The meals I've had recently, like I said, have been very inconsistent. So why do you think that they... See, I think it would be a slam dunk for them just open lunch with a s- simple stream streamlined menu of their dinner menu that's so popular. But they went out and they did kind of like a whole other menu. What, what, do you think... Why do there you think there is that? some overlap. There's a lot of overlap. I mean... There's only like four or five, I think four or five dishes that don't overlap. Hmm. But um, the lunch menu is pretty slim, right? He, I'm actually going tomorrow, so I don't know. Okay. Hopefully, I mean... I bet I'll like it more than you. I bet you will too. I think it probably will get better. Hot Yai got better. I didn't like Hot Yai when it first opened. And it got better and better. Yeah, the roti was stiff. The chicken was just okay. Yeah. Now the chicken's yeah. great. The roti's great. And the curries are chicken's okay. better than anybody. Well, chicken's okay. Still a bit dry. <laughs> um... And, and uh, you know, like I said, it was it was you know number two on this list because I didn't include Matt's barbecue tacos. Love the bar- Matt's barbecue tacos, outstanding. Hope it is in Bon Appetit's top ten because it probably deserves to be there. It may deserve to be there. I'll predict here. I think it will be okay. Uh, but porridge and puffs is better in Los Angeles. Go Min fan. Love you. I was just there. <laughs> um, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I really like Eam. Don't get me wrong. I, I'll go there and eat cocktails and and the curries, the the sweet and sour fried chicken that I had a couple of weeks ago yeah, was really was good. really good. And the hot cauliflower, that's the, fantastic. Well, one time I had it when it was mush, but mm. that they, they explained that away. So I've had it like six or seven times. I do like that fried cauliflower. Um, but they're doing something like they use that same same setup for chicken at lunch. Like I make it a hot hot chicken. Mm. You know, using the same fried cauliflower mm. thing, and it wasn't very good. Mm. But I love that sweet and sour fried chicken. Had it like eight, nine, ten, ten days ago. It was There's great. also a great crudo. I mean, the the exec chef there is Colin Yoshimoto, who ran Pokemon, which was probably the best poke place. Oh in yeah, town. most definitely. He has this beautiful albacore tuna crudo that has um, it's good uh, corn. Yeah, it has a tomato nam prick that Rasami gave the thumbs up to. Yeah, it's really beautiful. The fish quality is really nice. I like that. I like there's a beet salad that I think looks like something I saw Earl one, once make. I think that's his. I like that a lot. Um, and then you get to this combination. I mean, here's the thing. Hot Yai probably is actually like an underrated restaurant in Portland in many respects because I think that even though they're counter service and fast casual and pretty inexpensive, like they changed what I considered to be like the baseline for curries like it's really hard for me to go to just your average neighborhood thai restaurant now like the kind of thai restaurant that even a really good one like the kind that might get celebrated in new york city the curries at a place like that just seem so watered down compared to hot yai because they bring out so much flavor so the coconut milk curries are so rich and so beautiful so 
I think Eam at its best is at its best when it's the simplest, when it's like, let's take these curries, which are, you know, pretty world-class. I mean, a lot of them are frankly, you know, the kind of thing maybe Rasami was cooking at Nam in Bangkok. So we're, we're like, potentially we're really talking world-class and instead of putting in this grilled beef, which may be dry or maybe juicy, let's take the best barbecue in Portland and put it in there. And that is just like such a home run move. If if they can get the meat to where it was when I've I've been to Matt's barbecue where the meat's been the brisket's been fantastic. I've, I had it today and it was absolutely national okay, know, awesome okay. level. Well good. I went when I went it just wasn't good. Maybe it was not like I said, maybe it was an off day. Hopefully it was. <laughs> and you know, then okay, you got it. Because the, the curries like Long the Longbon curries that Nim was doing when she was at Longbon they were fantastic. I've been to Nam. I've been to Bangkok. I've been to Bolan. I've been to Paste. You know, I've been to the places that are considered the, you know, even the, the longest running Michelin star Thai restaurant in the world is not in Bangkok. It's actually in Copenhagen. And I've been there. Um, so, you know, and Nim's curries at Longbon are fantastic. Nim's curries or Nim's and Earl's curries at Eam are fantastic. Although I did have kind of a rough curry like eight days ago for the first time ever at Eam. So I was like, you know, my dining partner and I were looking at each other and saying, huh? <laughs> and so I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it was number two for the very longest time behind Bear Lou, but it only fell to number four. And- well, let's talk big picture because I think that one of the interesting things is that that comes out of this is that I'm, I could fight for Eam and tell you you're an idiot and, you know, don't trust your palate, which I actually do. So I'm not going to say that, but I, I think Eam is so busy and so packed and so, you know, there's, there's just, it, they've been hit so hard by uh, their, not even media or critical attention, but like success. Like people just show up. There's right. be, people are coming it's off fun. the planes and it's going fun. there. The neighborhood yes. is packing it and nothing's over 15 to $17. Like it's easy families. I see families there every time I'm there. The cocktails are great. It's a great cocktail yes, bar is. in its own right. But I can recognize that, you know, in a restaurant that busy, there can be major consistency issues. I haven't been to lunch and I have heard bad things, not just from you, but from others. So maybe they need to just rethink that. I don't know yet. But I think Bear Lou is not a perfect restaurant yet either. Um, You're right. Even as much as I respect it, I think, um, you know, Bullard is pretty consistent, but it's hard to get extremely excited about a hotel restaurant, even one as good as that. Um, fermenter in some ways is like a wild card pick because it's like just so it's just such a fun and weird concept and it's so well executed for what it is. And it was my number five too. So I think and we didn't we talk about this. Top five. And no, we, we didn't, didn't talk about this. So we we do agree about fermenter. And I, I really like Farm Spirit. Scott Wingard, new chef, came from Plant Wine, and I was working for Matthew Kinney in Venice. Uh, love what's going on in Farm Spirit. Going again in a few weeks. True. The, I mean, they are really pushing the vegan. Ed- you know, right. I don't want to say agenda. It's not like they're. Yeah, I mean, like at some point before the year's out, I would like to do a best new restaurant list period for me at least for 2019. And yeah, for 2019. And right now, I have I, what I think is this good top ten list, which stretches from London to New York to LA to San Francisco. Portland doesn't have. I don't. I don't have them in the top 12, 13, 14, 15. This, if I were equating this year's best new restaurants in Portland, it'd be like the 2000 NBA draft. <laughs> One of the worst drafts of all time. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. St- I mean, that's pretty harsh. I mean, I don't. But it kind of does equate. I mean, they were, hey, Michael Red was there. Michael Red was in that draft, second round, potential Hall of Flamer, had a catastrophic industry inju- injury. I mean, you had Jamal Crawford in that. I mean, it's not. It's not. It was not the best draft in the world. That's kind of why I. Equate. I mean, this isn't, in my opinion, this isn't the strongest year for Portland new restaurants. Maybe you disagree. Um. I don't know. It's, sometimes it's, you need a couple of three years to like sort of figure out where you're at. As we, any draft. I will say that I think that I, I like to project Berlou a few years from now. They're still 85 to $90. And, he, you know, he's, he's uh, expanded his flavor profile a little bit. He's still making beautiful dishes. Like I could see that being shoot i mean like being in the the kind of restaurants that michelin people who seek out michelin restaurants will come to portland to try um and and being packed and really cool i think it's a really cool experience um but i also uh and fermenter i think is sort of potentially could be driving the vegan conversation in portland um eam i could potentially see people copying eam around the country like the as busy as they are it's clear that there's something about the combination of really good curries and really good smoked meat that people are just falling for. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I could see them becoming, and, and, and I think it's always worth noting when you talk about them that there actually are two Austin restaurants that dabble in Asian flavors with smoked meat. Uh, one of them's called Loro. It's run by Aaron Franklin. And the other one's called... Kamura Tetsuya, which I've been to. Is and that they, the one you're they, talking about? They talked about... Kimura as being and maybe not an inspiration is the right word, but they 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 said their restaurant's gonna be more like Kimura than like I, and I love Kimura Tetsuya. It was fantastic. It's my favorite favorite Austin restaurant. But and it's the Thai curries. It's the combination of the Thai curries that unlocks something for me. I went to Kimura Tetsuya. Eames not Kimura Tetsuya. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just I mean I know I'm, I love Earl to death. I love Eric to death. I, I love Colin. Well, Earl and, is Bearloo too. So yeah. Yeah, he is Bearloo, but he's not really. He's the landlord or whatever he is to. <laughs> Uh, Vince. Yeah, and, true. Hey, I, 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 I wanted to, I mean, I, I, I really like the place. Don't get me wrong. Um, will it be national caliber? We'll see. Did it make Bon Appetit? It's probably, maybe it's too new. I don't think it's too new. No, it's eight months old. Yeah, so it, they didn't make Bon Appetit's top 50 the semifinals list. Uh, Matt's did. Matt's Barbecue Tacos did, as, as it should have. And I, I love Matt's Barbecue Tacos. Mm. I tr- I'm trying to be as objective as humanly possible. Say, well, Gary's, Gary loves Vince. Yes, I love Vince. But I, like I said, I will rip the crap out of him for any dishes, you know, dishes that I don't think are very good. Well, and a big difference is like, I don't, you know, for the 15 people listening to this podcast today, like, I, I don't know. Maybe all of you, $80 is nothing. It is inexpensive for its category. Berlue's 80 bucks compared to $195 for the top level at Notoguro compared to 165 for the chef's tasting at Castagna. It feels really inexpensive when you compare it to that. Right. I mean, I don't think it's at the level of those two restaurants. Uh, at their best, I don't. I don't think it compares to the yeah. chef's tasting yeah. or to, oh, the, yeah. to the super hardcore yes. at Notoguro. yes. At the same time, it's a lot easier to justify $80 on food than 195 or 165 So, you know, it is inexpensive. But at the same time, not everyone's going to be able to spend that much money. Right. And you, I think almost anybody's going to be able to go to Eam. Uh, there's vegan options. There's non-alcoholic cocktails because Eric Nelson happens to be sober. So he focuses on that. 
you know, it's really a kind of a catch-all place that anyone can go to and have fun at. If you go 75 times like Gary, maybe you'll have a bad mushy cauliflower one day. I can't stop that, but um, that's why it's my number one. Wait, it's in my top. I, I re- reiterate, it's in my top five. It's number four. So it's not like I'm. I'm. I hate this place. I don't hate this place. I know it can do better. Okay. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye. <laughs>